Welcome to Camden Cast. I'm Tanby. And I'm Erin. And this is our Seventh Heaven podcast. Before we get into the episode, we're just going to give you one more reminder that today, October 4th, 2017, is the last day that you can enter our giveaway of the stickers. We will be giving away six Camden Cast stickers. And you can find the link to enter into that um, pinned to our Twitter and our Facebook as well as um, the link is on our Instagram, and you can see a picture of the stickers that we are giving away there as well. So 11.59 tonight, that form will close. So enter if you are interested. We'll be announcing the winners tomorrow on our social media and also on a podcast that will probably be released next week. Yeah, next week or two weeks, weeks. uh, just because that's how our recording schedule works out. Um, and don't worry, for everyone's privacy, we will not use anyone's last names, and we will be in touch with the winners by email. So, anyway, um, in today's episode of Camden Cast, we will be discussing Season 5, Episode 16 of Seventh Heaven, the title of which is Parents, or if you are in Germany, the title is Shadow Pages. Uh, our IMDb user synopsis is... Robbie's father, Ed Palmer, a deadbeat who left the boys very young, turns up and slickly gets free board, next convinces his boy to move out and rent a room together. Eric perseveres to make Robbie realize he can't waste his future on a super dad that never existed, as his very imperfect mother always claimed. Simon's social life clashes badly with parental essay standard demands. Matt is furious to find Ruthie lied to use him in willful disobedience. Lucy hangs out with classmate Ashley's cool mother, Serena, only to find a regular mother is better. A regular mother. So, what okay. was your first impression of this episode? Um, I actually thought this was a very well-done episode. I think it had a good mixture of storylines. I feel like it wasn't too much, but when it... Uh, and I also feel like all the storylines meshed together quite well. Um, Robbie's storyline worked with whatever Lucy's storyline was, and the... M- like, the minuscule storylines of Simon and, and Ruthie also worked in, like, the theme that this episode was trying to give. I did think that this was kind of a ripoff off of a previous storyline with Shauna. If you guys remember when Shauna's dad comes into the picture and she thinks that he's trying to... And he's just trying to use her. But, like, actually he's really rich and doesn't. I don't understand what the... I don't remember what the that, end of that storyline was, but yeah. It was like, he was like, I can't help you with your tuition because I want you to wor- have to work as hard as I did. Right, and, right. Um, so, yeah, but I thought this was good. I really enjoyed Alan Thick as a guest star. Um, so, yeah, I think we can get into the episode yeah, now. Yeah, so the cold open. The first thing we see is Lucy on the phone. This is, I think, the third or fourth episode in the row where we're starting on the phone. Uh, she's on the phone with somebody... Ashley. Well, no, no, no. Oh, she's no, Ashley's mother, mother, Serena. But we don't know that until, uh, after, like, near the end of the scene. But, but ba- we learn that she had to, her and Jeremy had to break up because Jeremy moved back east because his father got a job with the New York Philharmonic. So I guess he isn't a deadbeat musician as we thought he was. Yeah. Um, which is kind of contrary to everything that they set up with the Valentine's Day episode with him being, like, this, like, great thing in Lucy's life and now he's just gone. Yeah. Um we we find out on the other end of, on the other end that it's Ashley's mom Serena and Ashley walks in. She's like, "Why are you talking to my friend?" And Aaron and I were both really thrown for a loop because it <laughs> I wasn't. I remember. <laughs> oh, well, I was. <laughs> yeah. Um so she decide like 
Ashley's mom, Serena, says that they should go to the pool hall to help Lucy get over Jeremy. We then go to Simon, and I can't remember if I said this in the last episode or we said it in the last episode, but remember when earlier in season five when Simon got his ear pierced and they made him take it out and we said it's silly because David Gallagher himself got two holes put in his ear? Well... This is the second episode in a row now that Simon's, well, David Gallagher's, like, earrings are in, and they made this whole big deal about Simon having to take the earrings out in the beginning of the season. But anyway, Simon is in his room with a friend. Keith. Keith. They're uh, respectively playing air guitar and air drums. Uh, Apparently he has a history paper on the United Nations, which he has been putting off. It's been an assignment that he's had for months, and he instead is, like, chilling with his new friend, Keith. And we learn that Keith just got his driver's license, so, again, Simon is still hanging out with all these older kids. Yeah, I think he he just turned 16, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And Simon is... 15. 15. Um, So, oh, I wanted to mention, you mentioned about the earrings. Uh, He's trying a different hairstyle again today, like, in this episode. Uh, It's very much, like, a flat on the top. It's like a flip. Yeah, and, like, like the the flip on the... The flip in the front. It's very... I know that was, like, huge in the early 2000s, but looking at it now, I don't understand how anybody thought that was a good idea. <laughs> my brother still does that. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I know. It's, like, the only thing he knows how to do, though, so. Um, uh, moving on, we have Ruthie, who uh, is sporting some straight hair again, and she wants to wear makeup. She wants her, her own makeup kit. Yeah, and uh, the Reverend Annie, of course, thinks she is too young because she is only 10, um, but apparently she has a friend named Rachel who got makeup, so that's why she Wait, Rachel's it. one of the girls who was at the sleepover. Oh, which R- one was she? I think she's the one with the flat voice, the one who was, like, not the one who prefers grown-ups to children. Oh, the, the one, one that you loved. Oh, yeah, the one that was, like, kind of a mini Broadway starlet. Yes. Oh, okay. So, she, of course she has makeup. Of course. Um, so, that's that. Ruthie, we get the idea that she's been asking a lot for this makeup kit because the Rev is, like... You know, still, the answer is no. Then, after Ruthie asks for the makeup kit, we get a knock at the back door, and it is no one other than Alan Thicke playing... Well, we learn that he's like, oh, are you Reverend Camden? I'm Ed Palmer. And we learn that this is Robbie's father, here to find his son. Uh, And that's when we hit the cold open. Um, Not to hit the cold open, hit the credits. Uh, Quick... If anybody is not familiar with Alan Thicke, Alan Thicke is probably most known for playing Dr. Jason Seaver on Growing Pains, which was a show that I think took place from like the 1980s up until like 1992. So uh, it was huge. I think it like kind of reminiscent of what Seventh Heaven tries to do with like, you know, your normal fi- family kind dynamic. Kind of like after school special. Yeah, yeah. Uh, le- uh, p- um, I think what the show's most famous for is like it's one of Leonardo DiCaprio's like jumping off points. He plays a kid that comes in. Kind of like Robbie does, actually. <laughs> Interesting. Anyway, I'm done. Adam Lavorne <laughs> never had a career like Leonardo DiCaprio, <laughs> no. though. Sadly. Um, so we're going to start with uh, Simon's storyline. Yeah, so all the kids are like really kind of going out on a school night, which I find is weird. Um, because in this house, it seems like that never happens. Yeah. Everything always takes place on the weekends. So Simon wants to go out with his friends, at, but as we said, he has this research paper due on the U.N., um, and Annie is like, you're not going anywhere until you finish that paper. You've had, I think it's like a midterm assignment. And she's like, you've had, you know, so long to work on this. It's worth 30% of your grade. 
Um, you need to finish that before you go anywhere. Simon keeps saying, I'm almost done, I'm almost done, blah, 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 you know, normal. Like, so... We um, run into him again when he's about to leave, and Annie's like, what are you doing? And that's when another knock on the back door happens, and it's all of his friends just come, like, right. marching in. Wasn't he going to go to someone else's house, and for some reason all of the friends show up at his house? They're, and, like, so it's Keith and, like, I guess the entourage of Keith. And um, he's, like, ready, Simon's ready to go, and Annie's like are you done with your paper? And he, I would have just said yes. Yeah, he just, again, says almost. I would have um, just said yes and then gone. Uh, but he says almost. I guess he tells the truth. And Annie's like, well, sorry, boys, you have to leave. Simon isn't allowed to go out until he finishes this paper. So Simon, of course, is all angry and brooding, and he's giving Annie the silent treatment. Um, and Annie keeps saying that, she, well, when she sends Simon up to his room to finish the paper, she tells Simon that she wants to read the paper when he's done. So, um, he, like, we, we then catch up with them when Annie goes up to Simon's room and he's just, like, at his desk. Or, he's not working on the paper. Um, and she says, like, okay, I want to see your paper or something. And then he continues to give her the silent treatment. He, like, moves from the desk to lay down on the bed. And this is probably the most uncomfortable position I've seen somebody lay down on a bed in. He's just, like, trying to face away from Annie. But, like, half his body is off the bed. Yeah. Um. So then Annie's like, oh, you want to be treated like a man, but then you act like a child. And she said, I don't care. Oh, because she asked to see the paper, and he said he's not finished. And then she says, I don't care how much you've done. I want to read what you've done so far. Um, so he gives her, like, these pages that look like they've been pulled out of a notebook. So I don't know if that's what he's planning on handing in, but probably not going to do so well if you hand in, like, these ripped pages out of a notebook. He, She ends up reading it, comes back. Wait, at one so we catch up with her... She's reading it in, like, um, the, the living room or whatever, the love den, and it looks like she's crying <laughs> about it. So I was confused. I thought it was because it was going to be, like, the she was crying because it was such a great paper, but actually she was crying because it was such a bad paper. <laughs> um, apparently it's not up to, like, Simon's usual, like, standards of greatness, and Simon's like, look, I'm not going to get an A in everything I do, which is actually a very good point. She's like, I agree with you, but if this was your best work, I'd let you send it in, but this is not your best work. Um, and they So, always do your best is the message. Yeah, she, you know, it's like, you know, like if obviously people can pass without doing their best. <laughs> um, this is true. But you should always do your best. And I think this is actually kind of a good, like, minor storyline in this episode. It's good to have this kind of catch-up of where Simon Simon's is. At, yeah. Like, still, I like this. I like that he's doing this teenage angst thing. It's super annoying, and I hate him as a child right now, but, like, it's very... It's realistic. Yes, very realistic, and I think that's awesome um, that we get, like, an, a normal Camden child. Um, so, yeah. I This is a... It, there was not a lot of focus on it. He had one or two scenes, and it was good. That's all I cared about. Yeah, they didn't drag it out. Um, speaking of the normal Camden children, um, we move on to Ruthie's storyline. Uh, as we said, Ruthie wants a makeup kit. Uh, the Reverend Annie thinks she's too young because she's only 10. Um, so she begins scheming because she needs to get what she wants. And who's the master schemer that she knows about? Well, it's Mary. So we get some more Jessica Beale on the phone in this episode where she, Ruthie calls trying to get help and Mary's very much like, don't do it. 
Like, you don't want to turn out like me in Buffalo. And Ruthie very wisely goes, I'm not going to get end up getting sent to Buffalo because I bought a makeup kit. Um, so Mary refuses to help her because she's like, you really shouldn't lie to mom and dad. Um, so Ruthie hatches her own plan. Um, she gets Matt. She tells Matt that she wants to buy Annie a gift uh, at the mall or the store or whatever. Um, just because she wants to thank Annie for being such a great mom and doing all she does and how lucky they are to have her. So Matt's like, okay, yeah, I'll take you to the store. Um, and it works. <laughs> At the store, she ends up buying herself a makeup kit and just to, like, protect all of her... Because she they end up running into Annie before they leave anyway. She's like, I'm just going to get something for you. Um, and gets her, like, a small flower thing... And they get back, and she thinks she's getting, gotten away with it. So she calls Mary up and says... I didn't need you. Yeah. I got schemed on my own. Mary's like, you're going to get caught. Our parents always know. Like, just trust me. Matt's going to be mad at you because you lied to him. Um, but I want to, like... You've been saying this from the beginning, and I've been warming up to this, like, Ruthie... Queen Ruthie fandom that we have here. <laughs> Um, but, like, she is amazing at, like, manipulating. I think that they, because they do say, like, she's, like, I think she's actually supposed to be, like, smarter than all of them. (laughs) Because, like, who would believe, oh, I need to go get my mom a gift that, like, so I think it's just, like, demonstrating her, all of her manipulating is supposed to demonstrate the character's intelligence, I think. But, yeah, and I guess Matt is probably the most gullible of all of them. Um, yeah. Because I guess he's not been around Ruthie when she's, like, been doing all this stuff. Yeah. But the speech that she gives Matt about, you know, our mom does so much... It was so well done. Like, <laughs> like having an... A- sorry. Having an actress play... Uh, just the way that they did it was really good. I yeah. appreciated it. Um, so she ends up getting caught because she can't get the makeup off her face. Um, and Annie's like, okay, I'm going to help you wash this off. And then when Matt gets, Matt's like at the library. So she's like, when Matt gets home, um, the three of us are going to have a talk. When Matt gets home, it's when Annie's crying about Simon's paper and Matt takes it on himself. He says, no, I'm the one who drove her. She lied to me. I want to handle this. I want to talk to her about it. Um, Matt kind of, this conversation rubbed me the wrong way slightly, just because I feel like Matt sometimes gets too aggressive when he's trying to be, like... Like a parent? Yeah. he he. I feel like he did that when he was, like, talking this way to Mary. I think he, like, goes into it too much. Um, and he was a bit harsh with, Lu- uh, with Ruthie. Not that, like, Ruthie should have gotten away with it, but, like, it was, um... I don't know, he went a bit too much. He's like, the next time you do it, it's going to hurt someone even more. And I'm like, okay. This didn't hurt anyone. She just got the makeup she wanted and like, oh, you lied to us. Um, Which, I don't know, the the way they put an emphasis on like children lying to their parents in this show and like how like that's just the worst thing you can do is just like, I think it's kind of like normal behavior. Like it would have been perfectly normal if Simon lied and said like, oh yeah, I finished my paper. That's like such a normal teenage, like I want to go out. That, like, I'm, you know, in high school, my parents aren't actually going to check my work. Like, oh, yeah, it's done. Um, so that's, like, I don't know. I think it's, that's what kind of makes, like, Mary and Ruthie sort of more normal as children in this family. Because they... Do things that actual children do. Yeah. Um, so Matt says, you're going to have to return this, like, tomorrow. Um, and that's when, I think, Mary calls... And just to check in on Ruthie, because Ruthie's just been yelled at, 
And it's a, I think it's a good moment for them. I mentioned this in the last episode, I think, that, like, I always thought that they... You said that, like, Ruthie was, like, is more like, you know, you can see she's Mary's sister. Yeah. She's, more, like, confident and, I don't know, like, a little bit of a troublemaker, so... And so I think uh, that having that connection built up again, especially because we saw it kind of destroyed earlier this season is nice it's not like ruthie's like giving uh, ruthie's still the sassiest person in the world to marry but i like that they are engaging in this kind of conversation Um, also ruthie says when matt confronts her the first thing she says is the devil made me do it (laughs) (laughs) which is much appreciated again really i'm just going to reiterate this again this was there was the right amount of like attention paid uh, paid to the storyline we didn't spend too much time with it it had it was placed in the right moments in this episode um let's go to lucy next yeah so lucy um (laughs) goes out to storyline so wait so all right so lucy speaks to her her ashley and ashley's mom serena are all going to go to the pool hall to help her get over jeremy so when serena and ashley come to pick her up they come in the house and... But first Serena comes in and Ashley stays in the car. Like, Serena's the one that's like, I'm here for Lucy, which I think is weird. Usually, yeah. I feel like the friend would come in, not the mother. And I guess this is the first time Annie's meeting Serena. Because she thinks, she doesn't realize that it's Ashley's mom. Um, because she's like, you can tell she's someone who's like trying really hard to look younger than they are. She uh, borrowed her daughter's clothes. Like, she says it. Yeah. So, anyway, then they... And Lucy's rationale for all of this, because I think it's also still a school night, is that I'm going to be with an adult, so everything's going to be fine. You should let me go to the Revenani. She's like, you should let me go, because Ashley's mom is going to be there, and everything will be fine. So, uh, while they're at the pool hall... I want to just state, before they actually get to the pool hall, um, we do have a... I don't know if this was supposed to be, like, a thing, but the Rev kind of, like, gives... Serena a look because I think he I think he's just also shocked that this is like somebody's mother but he kind of just like keeps on looking after her in a very like what you get on like television and movies of like a guy checking a girl out like a double take yeah Yeah. and Annie's like excuse me (laughs) I'm here (laughs) which I thought was funny whatever um yeah so at the pool hall you were saying so at the pool hall we see Ashley and Lucy um watching Serena while she's talking to this much younger man so Yeah, and Lucy's all excited. She's like, look, the guy that your mom is talking to is gorgeous. And Ashley's just kind of like, yeah. Spoiler alert, he's actually not that gorgeous. Just saying that. Um, And Ashley is, like, less than enthused about all of this. Um, So then Serena comes over with this guy, and she's like, oh, he's having a party tomorrow night. Do you girls want to go? And then she tells Lucy, if your parents won't let you go, tell them you'll be with me. Like, you're going to be with an adult, so it's all okay. And her wanting them to go is because she doesn't want to go alone because she doesn't really know Alan, and she feels like her daughter and her daughter's friend should protect her. She also wants to bring them as, like, cover because she didn't tell this guy her real age. So she's, like, you know, rolling with her crew of 18-year-olds. That's what she needs to do to get away with, like pretending she's younger because we find out later that this guy's around like 26 27 so too old for lucy and ashley but too young for this woman which that's also like not a if she's lying about her age it's not okay but like too young for her that's not a real are they over 18 are they consenting yeah uh 
So, um, the next day we have Lucy telling Annie that she's going to a party with Annie, with, um, Ashley and Serena. Annie's not too enthused about it. She is, I think Annie obviously knows the kind of mother that, uh, Serena is and it doesn't really well, approve. To, to, to say that by the kind of mother, you mean... Um, someone who tries too hard to be their child's friend rather than to kind of guide their child and, like, you know, discipline them as necessary. So... Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. I just mean that they have... Annie has a different version of what she does, and she knows that what she does is not what Serena does. So Lucy asks if she can go to the party, and Annie does something which I appreciated, but I I don't appreciate the way she went about it. She tells Lucy that... If she wants to go to the party, like, it's up to her because she's going to be, you know, if she goes away for college, Annie and the Rev won't be there to tell her what she can or can't do. So Annie's like, I'm going to leave this decision in your hands. And Lucy's like, well, if it's up to me, I'm going. But I don't like the way that Annie did this because it's like, oh, it's up to you, but I'm going to try to make you feel guilty if you go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Which is like, like... It's the first thing in the parenting handbook. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to give you the choice, but you don't really actually have a choice. And then they act all hurt when you take the wrong choice. It's like, well, then don't give me the choice. Yeah, just tell her she can't go. Um, so Lucy goes, they have clearly had a, a, a disagreement about this. Because um, Lucy... There's a bit of tension. Yeah, there's a bit of tension. Um, they leave, they go to the party, and... They're not having any fun. Obviously. Because the guys are, like, it's like with people who are almost 10 years older than them, and Serena is shamelessly flirting with, like, all these younger dudes, and it's just out of control that she took these high school girls to this party with these grown-ass adults. And there are these men that are creeping on Lucy and Ashley, so they run to the bathroom, where we have a nice heart-to-heart between friends. I want to say that this is the first time we've seen this Ashley character. Um, Also, it's the last time we will see this Ashley character. Oh, my God. So this girl was just... Lucy has no friends that stick around. Um, So Ashley talks about how she wishes that she had a mother like Lucy does, and Lucy's like, what? Your mom's so cool, though. And we finally get, you know, to the heart of the matter, which is that... Yeah, she's, but she tries to be her friend and not her actual mother. And, like, sometimes you just need someone to put, like, put you in your place or, like, guide you rather than just, like, support everything you do or not really be that interested. Also, I think it's, like, a matter of being able to depend on someone. Like, we, what we get is... Yes, okay, yeah, that's the right, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, Uh, because we have Lucy calling Annie to pick her up from the party, because obviously they're having a miserable time, and Ashley feels like she can't do that with her own mother. Um, so they have this confrontation outside of the party where Annie and Lucy are looking on between the conversation between Ashley and Serena. Serena kind of gets the wrong thing in her head, because then she tries to take her shit out on Annie? Yeah, she's like, you think you're the perfect mother, you bake cookies, and you pack lunches, and you do whatever, and... And he's like, this isn't about cookies. <laughs> this is about, like, you know, being there for your daughter and, you know, listening, I don't know, listening to her needs and blah, blah, blah. And apparently this is the exact kick in the ass that Serena needed because... Because just like that, yeah. on a dime, she changes. Um, and we're led to believe that she... they that I did like this part where um, Ashley goes, you know, just one night of this is not going to fix it. 
And Serena's like, it's going to be, we're going to work together through this. So I, I do appreciate that, that, like, their relationship is not just fixed after yeah. one evening. Because Serena says, she's like, I want a mother I can call when I'm having a miserable time at a party who will come and get me. So that sort of thing. Um, I don't know. How, how did you feel about this? Because I do think it tried to say that one type of parenting is better, like, is better than another, and that's obviously not true, and there are some people who have this sort of relationship with their children, and I think it works yeah, no, perfectly I, fine, And but it's just not the dynamic that this child wanted. I have to agree. Um, I think, obviously, you can't be one extreme and you can't be another extreme, and I think that's what they were trying to do here. But she's not, I mean, I didn't see her as a bad parent, just saw her as a parent that wasn't the kind of, like you said, the parent the kind of parent that the girl wanted. And I think that this is particularly common with like single parents with like one, you know, one child. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It's just like um, I, I don't know if they. I don't like that they that Brenda Hampton and the writers of the show tried to make it seem like there's only one right way to be a be parent. a parent. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got to agree with you. This was kind of a miss for me. I appreciated how it kind of like. Uh, was the opposite of what was happening with Robbie's storyline, which we'll get to now. Um, but otherwise, meh. Yeah, meh. It was it was pretty like it, it was a safe it was a safe storyline. It wasn't anything to write home about. Um, but we will go to the main one, which is Robbie. We come back um, from the uh, credits. The credits. What is the, the opening? Theme, yeah, the theme, theme. song um, to. Annie and the Rev being very iffy about the presence of Ed Palmer. Um, the Rev has called Robbie to call him home, but hasn't said that, that it's because his dad's here. We have some interaction between the Rev, Annie, and Ed. Where, where we learn that Ed is like a pretentious dick and a liar. Because he's like, oh, in the 70s I did some time. He's, he's like, I haven't, what does he say? I well, haven't. she asked how he takes his coffee. Oh, yeah, and he's like, when I was in France, I used to do it this way. And he's like, yes, I was in the Peace Corps in France in the 70s, and I helped, like, in a farming village make an irrigation system right outside of Paris. And Annie's like, I didn't think the Peace Corps operated in developed countries. Also, the 70s, you must have been really young. And he's like, oh, I meant, did I say the 70s? I meant the 80s. So we learn right away that he's, like, just full of it. Um, he His excuse for leaving... Uh, like Robbie and the Palmer family is that he needed to take care of his sick parents, um, which we obviously don't believe. And I don't think they never resolved that exactly, but anyway. So um, Robbie gets home, and he's all excited to see Papa. Mm. Um, and the first th- one of the first things that Ed says to him is, oh, did you get my letters? Uh, and Robbie's like, no, I never got any letters from you. He says, oh, well, I wrote a letter once every month to you, like, for the past however many years. Ten that, years. Yeah, ten years. And he's like, damn, post office must have lost them. I feel like a better excuse would have been, oh, your mom was clearly keeping them away from you. Like, I would have used that one, not the post office. Well, Robbie talks to his mom, so I don't know. I, but she might deny it, I guess. Um, I just thought that was, like, a very bad lie. Yeah. I mean, it's the post office. <laughs> Well, they do lose a lot of stuff, so... Yeah, but, like, a letter for, te- like, every, every month yeah, for yeah. 10 what, years? They lost 120 letters. <laughs> yeah, like, seriously? But they delivered everything else. Oh. Um, so, he... And we learn right away what Ed is after, because he's like, oh, I... Uh, I'm, only I'm here low for- on funds. Yeah. 
I'm only here for one night. I have nowhere to stay, though. Um, and he's like, Robbie, why don't you drive me to a motel after we're done catching up? And the Revenant, you're like, it's already pretty late. And he's like, oh, well, it's only for one night. I'll stay in a cheap motel, whatever. So, obviously, as a viewer, you know right away that the Camdens are never going to let anyone stay in a hotel. Um, So they invite uh, Ed to stay with them because they were like, oh, if it's only for one night. Um, So... I believe the next thing we get is... is The next morning. Yeah. When Robbie and Ed come home. Well, first we have, we see that um, he's left quite a mess in the living room. Oh, Yeah. And they, like, neither the rubber Annie, we still are they're very suspicious of him. But we do get them having coffee out on the promenade, I think, right? Yes, Robbie and Ed. And this is when Robbie's like, I, want, I don't want to ask heavy questions, but I need to know why you left. And this is when um, he, like, spins some more lies about him having to take care of his parents. When Robbie said that he was told that his mother... By his mother, that she like he left with a girl at a bar and like emptied out the checking account. Yeah. But then Robbie's like, "But I know you're a good father because you took me to the zoo that one time. He, uh, you used to give me peanuts to feed to the monkeys, and of course, this is the hallmark of good parenting. How could you deny this great father like that that he's not a great father when he took his son to the zoo once and gave him monkeys? Uh, nope, peanuts for the monkeys. Even <laughs> monkeys. Ed continues to weave some tall tales, saying that his mother like ordered a court order against him, which is why he could only like yeah. Because Robbie's like, why didn't you ever call? He's like, your mother got a court order. All I could do was write letters. The letters that you never got. Yeah. Um, and he's and he's like, I think I want a second chance now, um, and I want to get to know you better, and I want to be a be- better father to you and your brothers. Um, so and, Robbie is all hype. Yeah. Uh, whereas on the other end, we have uh, a phone call from Robbie's mother to the Rev. Do we get her name? Is it Karen? I feel like <laughs> I feel like most mothers are named Karen. You just, you just made that up. <laughs> uh, don't know what we don't know her name. name. Mrs. Palmer. Sally. Sally. It's Sally. I wrote it down. Sally Palmer. <laughs> um, so Sally calls because apparently Ed stopped in Florida before he stopped... Oh, also, Sally Palmer is wearing a Hawaiian shirt and on this, like, ridiculous fake tropical back backdrop. It uh, very much reminds me of um, when Annie took that, like, vacation. <laughs> the vacation to the green screen. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, this was another vacation to the green. <laughs> Robbie's mother is actually living in front of a green screen. Um, Sally basically warns the Rev about, you know, watch out for Ed. He's not. He's no good. He's just looking to get something for nothing. He's So, anyway. The Rev and Annie think that he's about to leave, that this is his last night, but then they come home, Robbie and Ed come home. And we find out that they have signed a lease on an apartment together. Um, so, obviously, it looks like Ed is using Robbie to pay his rent. Was this during the, like, right before the housing crisis? Is that why everything was so cheap and it was so quick for them to get rent? Well, I mean, it was, this was, like, 2002, so it was... Was it, I think this, no, this, 9-11 hasn't happened yet. This is still 2001. This is February 2001. Oh, okay. All right, yeah. Um, so I guess that, yeah, that's the, it's before the housing crisis, yeah. So right before the... The, when we had the boom. Yeah, it was a big, the, the big boom. <laughs> the big boom. Um, yeah, we're just coming off the 90s. We're in a great, we're in a great economic place. Um, 
And obviously the Rev and Annie are horrified, and they're like, we need to stop this from happening. Uh, there's a moment here, which I think was very good that they placed it, because I think they need to establish the fact that, like, Robbie is now officially a member of the Camdens, uh, especially because there's like, oh, Annie goes, when did Robbie... Robbie become one of the kids, yeah. And... They're like, it doesn't matter, he is, we need to protect him. Um, so, Robbie, so I think, uh, the Rev has a conversation with Ed about, like... Oh, wait, we just want to say first, Ed is outside having a cigarette, and this, this is Seventh Heaven doing one of their classic things again, to, like, signal that someone is a bad person, giving them, like, a vice or something, and it's just not true. All kinds of people smoke cigarettes. Good people, bad people... Like, you know... People that aren't good or bad, they're just peop- people. Yeah, pe- people that make a lot of money, people that don't make a lot of money, people that make medium money. <laughs> medium money. Medium money. Yeah. All kinds of people smoke cigarettes. And it Do, doesn't automatically make them a bad person. It does not make you good, bad, otherwise. Um, so, but just like another, you know, this is like Seventh Heaven signaling to us, oh no, he's addicted to the tobacco. That, 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 that good... Tobacco. Um, anyway, <laughs> that, that delicious tobacco. <laughs> so um, we have- so we learned something in a phone. So he's like, Ed. Ed says to the Rev, "Oh, you're here to tell me to get out of town or whatever. You don't like me. I know you're. You know, whatever. You, um, and he's like, you can't make me leave. I signed a lease with Robbie, and we learned on the phone call that the Rev had with Sally." That apparently, um, like, Ed committed some crimes in New York. So, like, I think it was, like, bad checks or something. So, like, fraud? Fraud. Um, So the Rev is like, I can't make you leave, but the state of New York can. They kind of have this, like, argument or fight or whatever, because it's like, I am Robbie's father. And the Rev is like, I'm not his father, or like, and you're not his father. And I was like, yeah, I'm not his father, but neither are you. Like very dun, deep. Dun, dun. Um, so another comment on parenting and yeah. like, oh, you're his biological father, but you were never there. So, and the rev's like, did you know he was homeless recently? He's doing so well for himself, and like, you being in his life is only going to make things worse. Blah 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 blah. And the thing is, he has this conversation with the rev, and apparently the rev has some sort of like snake tongue because, <laughs> like, it <laughs> works. Well, I guess also because the Rev is like, if you don't leave, I'm going to, you're going to go to, you're going to get sent to New York and you're going to go to jail. For fraud. Yeah. Um, so he leaves of his own accord after like this conversation with the Rev. Well, I mean, um, he's kind of, uh, like. Of his own accord in whatever extorted. sense. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Robbie, I think, realizes that something's up because he calls his mother and he's like, who took me to the zoo? <laughs> and he learns that it was actually his uncle. Um, and then, like, and his uncle was the one that really loved the monkeys. And so Robbie's like, oh, my dad is not who he says he is. Um, and so Robbie's, Robbie, and at the end of it, I think Robbie and Rev have a heart-to-heart where Robbie's like, do you do this with all of your girlfriends? He's like, ex- yeah, he's like, I finally feel like I have a father. I want to hug you. And then they have, they hug it out. Um, just one comment on the moral ambiguity of the Rev knowing that Ed has committed crimes and just being like, I'm gonna use like I'm gonna yeah. use this to make you leave, and I won't turn you in. Um, what's up with that, Seventh Heaven? I feel like this isn't the first time he's done this either. Yeah, like the way that he threatens people, but like I don't know. It's it's. I would think that like I don't know if anybody's like a, a, a like 
any of our listeners are um, acquainted with like the character alignment charts, like lawful, neutral, or like yeah, whatever. But he he, I always thought he would be like like good, good because he's like the reverend. But he kind of goes to chaotic, lawful a lot, <laughs> where he like kind of does whatever means necessary to get his way. Yeah, but he's still following the law in a weird way. I don't Except know. he's not he's because like, he's like harboring a fugitive. <laughs> So, yeah, um, it is, it's, I think it's really nice to have this clear distinction of, like, what Robbie means to the Rev and Annie, because up until now, I feel like it's been a little, like, Annie's been a little, uh, I don't know if I want him here, still a little bit, and, like, the whole thing with Mary coming back for, like, a hot second, they're like, ooh, is it a good idea? But now we think that Robbie's, like, established himself in the Camden household on his own, without any, like, connection to anybody else. Yeah. Um, and actually, I, th- I'm, I like Robbie's character, I've decided. I think I decided this a couple episodes ago, but I'm going to say it again. I do... You think... He, is he, like, your favorite right now? Um, yeah, actually. Him and Ruthie are my favorite. Um, cool. I honestly don't cool. give a shit about anybody else. <laughs> All right. Um, so, I'm g- what are you going to give this episode? Um, you know what? I think I'm going to give this a 5.5. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to give it a 5. It was... I think it was well done. You know what? The... There were only really four storylines, and it really does feel like the time was split evenly between them. Like, they were each probably, if the episode's 40 minutes, they were each probably, in aggregate, 10 minutes long. Maybe Simon and Ruthie's were a little bit shorter. Um, But they really did all feel like they were given equal time. Um, It didn't feel like a long episode, it felt, yeah. Yeah. So we'll be posting, as always, on our social media platforms with some juicy, juicy images for you. Um, we're at facebook.com slash CamdenCast, and on Twitter and Instagram, we're at CamdenCastShow. Uh, remember that that's where you can get all of our giveaway information as well, or you can email us, CamdenCast at gmail.com. Or, where do you want to listen to us on Wednesdays and Saturdays? Uh, SoundCloud.com backslash CamdenCast, or on the iTunes Apple Podcast app. I'm Erin. I'm Tandy. This is Camden Cast. <laughs>